Good afternoon, listeners. This is Harry Mithen, and I'm here again uh, for the Friday Forum 4 to 5. I'm not sure whether it's still Friday, wherever you're listening. I think we've got some listeners from America coming up this week. Some of our cousins responded to our invitation, and they said they're going to be tuning in to listen to some of their family talking about um, talking about their lives. I've got two young men with me this morning, and uh, they both tell me that they have never, ever been on radio. And so uh, I think if you're all listening, you could possibly right now give, a, give these two lads a good clap. But just to let you know that um, Global Chat Radio is in its infancy. Uh, Franco here is on the... He's the techno man for today, and quite often is. He's a genius with about 4,000 switches in front of him. And um, he is the president of the West Australian Multicultural Association. And Franco is a great believer that everybody, everybody has got a story. And we've had a few. I've been involved with Franco now for a couple of months. And we've had some people from um, the Curtin University, people who are in the Department of Aboriginal Studies, and they gave us some uh, wonderful insights into young Aborigines who are studying at uni and um, trying to help Aboriginal people to bridge the gap. Sarah Janali was another one of our um, guest speakers. Now, um, Sarah is a refugee advocate, a support worker. She actually married a man who had previously been a boat person. And Sarah was visiting him in, in um, the detention or the refugee centre. They eventually got married and they have some beautiful children. And Franco uh, interv interviewed the little girl, Zara, for, uh, for a couple of minutes on Global Chat Radio. So um, uh, some of you may also have heard Josh Bodenstaff. Now, Josh gave us the story of how he nursed in the children's hospital here in Perth how he moved over to the Children's Hospital in Melbourne, the Royal Children's Hospital. But then he made a very big decision in his life. And if you haven't heard that um, story, it, it was quite fascinating and interesting with the sort of work that he's doing now and the sort of path he's chosen. So today we welcome, actually, Josh's two brothers. Josh recommended that I uh, ask, the, <laughs> ask these two boys. And uh, these are two young men in their 20s. And uh, the first one I want you to say hello to is Sam. Good afternoon, Sam. Good day, Harry. Great to be here. Thank you, Sam. And um, everybody uh, has a story to tell, as I was saying, and your story is going to come a little bit later, Sam, because you have made some big decisions on your life journey already. And how old are you now, Sammy? Uh, 27. 27. And he is, Franco won't even believe this, but... This boy, Sam, is also a major WA sports person. He's, a, he's in the top echelon. So you'll, your ears will be burning when you hear all this later on, Franco. And also we've got young Alex. He is the fourth of four boys, and he's going to say hello to us too. Have you got a bit of Dutch in you by any chance, Alex? Uh, I, I actually do, Harry. <laughs> a little bit of Dutch. Uh, our grandparents actually were from Holland. Yep. They moved over um, and ended up in Gippsland in uh, Mafra, a small town called Mafra, mm -hmm. just outside uh, Taragan. Yes. And that was, uh, yeah, so that was in Victoria. And, uh, and then our father, Rob, 
came over to WA and uh, met Monica. Yes, exactly. And, and your, I wonder why your grandparents on um, on your dad's side, on Robbie's side, wonder why they came to Australia in the first place. Uh, from from what I know, Harry, they they came over during uh, just before World War Two. Uh, went through uh, Europe, mm-hmm. um, and they came through. Yeah, just after that. Yes, and they came to live in Gippsland. You were saying. I know that um, your grandpa was working. I think he was working in the butter factory down there on the farms, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. So they uh, ended up in Gippsland in Mafra, mm-hmm. just outside um, Turragan, which was uh, yeah, a small town in Victoria. Yep. And um, working in the butter, butter factory and then a few other places. Right. Where Rob was uh, raised with his uh, sister and brother. Right. His sister was Joe, wasn't it? Yeah, Joe and brother was John. And John, of course. Yes, John. That's right. Two boys and a girl in that family. And they had that uh, Dutch heritage. Now, Sam, what about on your mother's side? Uh, Mum's parents were Heather and Victor. Victor was a refugee from Poland, and and so was his bros and sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, had a, an, an amazing but harsh adventure when they were young. The Germans invaded Poland. The Nazis tried to get all the Polish people on side with their plans to conquer the world. Many rejected, many escaped, as did our grandfather Victor. Yes, that's right, Sam. And um, I know that they, even as a family, they uh, there was Victor and his brother and sister, I think the three of them, uh, with with the help of with the help of some adult, they uh, I think they crossed across the Alps and you know for a long time in various camps and uh, wending their way towards freedom, which they finally got, and they arrived in Perth. Um, they were sent to the Northern refugee or detention camp there, and then I know um, Victor went was uh, appointed to go down to Shannon River to join a lot of uh, migrant workers there in the forests of, um, I don't know, down south. I'm not too sure exactly where, but it was Shannon River. And um, Alex, I wonder how Victor met up with young Heather, who is now your nana, of course. Well, um, from what I know, uh, Heather Heather's dad was a pastor. Mm-hmm. I knew that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, a pastor in the Lutheran Church. In fact, he was a bit of a multicultural young man. He yeah. was um, from the USA as well and with a German background. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He spoke German fluently, which was a very interesting fact about him. Mm. Uh, he came to Perth and studied in Adelaide. He became a pastor here in Northbridge and was uh, <clears throat> a pastor for 50 years. He spent his Sundays in church, but much of the weekday down in the Fremantle Port welcoming Europeans. Um, That'd be the people who came off the ships, I guess. Yeah, as refugees from war-torn Europe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Pastor Gravener befriended so many, helped them with language, with jobs, with accommodation, and all the other stuff they needed for when they came into mm. this area. Mm-hmm. It was quite a legend. Yes. Even he- very old people today still remember his name and his work amongst the communities. Yep. And people who came from bombed-out cities like Hamburg, Dresden, and many others. Um, Heather still meets older folks today who say that you're the, da- you're the daughter of the pastor and what a wonderful man he was. Were, yes, I've heard that too, Alex. That's, um, he's got a great name. In fact, the, the hall at the church in Northbridge in Perth, the hall is named after it. I think it's called the Pastor Grabner Hall. 
and um, he still had a lot of influence there. So, um, so, so that's interesting, and that's why here in the studio we can see various um, various uh, indications of um, multiculturalism going to all peoples throughout. And I think all of us really. My mother was actually um, from Dublin, Dublin's fair city, where the girls are so pretty. And uh, she was from Dublin, and she had a big Irish influence in our family. So we've all got a multicultural. So this is, as I said in the introduction, this is why Franco and his uh, group of merry men are so keen to get people to keep going with their own culture, to enjoy their own culture, but to become and enjoy the freedoms and so on that we have here in Australia. And uh, I know the opening song to most many of our programs is a famous song, which you boys probably sang at school, called um, We Are One But... We Are Many. We Are Many. We Are One But We Are Many. And that's one of the big mottos of the Multicultural Association. I'll just ask you before we have a little music break, you two boys, um, I can remember when I was at school, uh, we didn't have any foreigners, what we call them. They were, real, they were all first... They were all just Australians, kids in our classes in, in, the, in the first, say, seven years of my schooling. But just towards the end, a lot of people came in, a lot of students came in from China, Malaysia, Hong Kong, and we had, uh, and they were very, very clever and very, very determined. And, and I know we had a couple of Buddhist kids in our class who won all the religious prizes, you know, in the Christian school. So they were, they were, they were really good. How did you find multiculturalism? just sort of off the top of your head going back in in, in your school life? Uh, well, from our schooling, um, I found, well, I'm speaking on behalf of Sam as well, I'm sure he'll comment as well, but uh, our school was uh, quite multicultural, quite really? accepting, which right. is good. Um, and it was, it allowed a lot of people to really emphasise their abilities. Okay. Really, and it gave them a lot of opportunity, which was good, and it was Do fantastic. I'm I'm not sure if Sam has anything else to add to that, but uh, no, it was just um, very integrated as well mm. during school. So it was made it nice and easy and open for everyone. And I think this has made the younger generation, like yourselves, not um, to have these kind of hang-ups that some of us older Australians have got. And I think Franco has found over the past that sometimes we meet people who. Oh, he's not a real Australian, or you know, he's uh, he's from old, um, and they had some rather nasty names for some of your Italian people, Franco, in the old days. But I think the younger generation is much more accepting because, because basically, because they everybody realises we're all brothers and sisters anyway, whether we're black or brindle or whatever. Well, I think it's time. Thanks, uh, boys. I think it's time for a little bit of music, and. Um, We'll have a little break now. There's far too many questions to ask To answer any of them Tell the man I am. 
Thank you. Thanks, Sam and uh, Alex. Sam, um, who, who was singing that? Uh, that was John Butler Trio, and it was called ah. Peaches and Cream. Right. So, uh, John Butler, is, is he, are you a fan of his? I, I am. Yeah. I've uh, gone it? to several of his concerts, mm-hmm. um, and my personal favourite from him is actually, it's called Oceans. Oceans, okay. And it's a 12-minute track, and yeah. it's actually just him playing the guitar. Very talented. Uh, Eleven-string guitar, yeah. Okay. Uh, some of our overseas listeners may not have heard much about him, but he's a local WA boy, isn't he? Yes. So he's from uh, Fremantle. Fremantle. And yeah. he was just uh, a busker. He actually got picked up um, several years ago now, mm-hmm. but uh, he was just busking on the streets of Fremantle, and someone obviously saw the talent that he has, mm-hmm. and... Yeah. Offered him a, a job. A job, and he's yeah. got, he's, he's he's very Australia wide famous now, isn't he? He is, yes. Mm-hmm. And he travels, and he travels the world. So I, I would say he's pretty well known all around as yeah. well. So he had a big life change, didn't he? He was busking. I suppose he was perhaps battling for money, and after he left school, and he started that job. And look what's become of him because of a big, good decision that he made. And we're coming to that with you boys. I think you've made a pretty good decision as well. But I just want to ask, first of all, you, Alex, uh, when you finished year 12 and were finishing up college, you had some plans and hopes. What were they? So um, when I was finishing up year 12, I made the decision to go to university and study urban and regional planning. Mm. which took me four years to complete. Uh-huh. Um, and I, through that, I had many experiences getting to travel the world doing planning, which was fantastic. I got to go to Japan, um, Borneo, uh, Brunei, mm. um, a few other places here and there, some more in Southeast Asia, and then came back to WA and to finish my degree. Gosh. And Alex, um, so it it was the course basically for a person who doesn't know anything about urban planning, myself. Um, Could you just just tell us a little bit about it, just briefly? So, I mean, in the the core context of it, I guess it's it's designing Mm. cities. Uh, Yeah. It's uh, urban areas for people to use. 
Okay. And um, it's less so, it used to be called town planning, which has been kind of pushed away from now because mm. we're not planning whole towns like we were back in yeah. its heyday of planning, but now it's more into developments and how we can apply the same characteristics of developing mm. an urban area yeah. um, and making it people-friendly and uh, wanting pe- people wanting to stay there. Yes. Did you enjoy the course overall? I did love the course. Mm. Um, can't say I stuck with uh, that in my career path, but... Well, we'll uh, go into that shortly. Yeah, we'll talk about that later, but, I'm sure. But, but, but it was a big thing. It was a, big, it was a wonderful achievement. You must have been, um, your parents and so on, brothers and must have been very proud of you when you became a, a, an urban planner. So um, what about Sam, your brother? Sam, what did you do when Year 12 came up and you starting to think about things? Uh, so originally, as soon as I finished school, I actually went to TAFE and did a Cert 4 in Sport Development. And um, after doing that, I actually um, went to university Sorry. and studied teaching. Okay. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So I, was, uh, I studied to be a sports teacher. Mm-hmm. So I was there for four, four years. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, well, it was fantastic. It was... You probably had a lot of uh, prac experience in the schools and... Yes, exactly. And so, obviously, uh, during the course, everyone has to go and do their practicals. Yeah, yeah. Um, I fortunately made a good impression on one of the schools, so I was sent back to the same school. Okay, yep. So it was fantastic. So I actually got to, I, I knew the kids, I knew the teachers, and yeah. obviously the school. So it actually worked really, really well, and had a good rapport. Yes. Dare we say that you were much loved by both students and staff, <laughs> and so on. I'd like to think so. Yes. I don't know what they said behind my back. <laughs> yeah. Well, Franco, our um, techno man here, and our president of the uh, company uh, of the. Uh, Wema, he's a former teacher too, and uh, he knows the um, he knows the um, ins and outs of teaching, of course. So Sam, um, that was that was a great experience. You became a qualified teacher, and one good thing is that you might go on and become a teacher. But you can tell me about that shortly. You might be uh, in teaching till you're about 65, which is a long, long way away. You yes, never know. <laughs> very, very possible. Mm-hmm. You never know what the future holds. Good. Okay. Now, um, we're going to have another music break now because uh, we were going to talk about um, something different. So we'll just have another short music break. Every
That was an un that was an unusual title, uh, Alex. Uh, yeah, that was uh, "Dream Catch Me" by Newton Faulkner. It's one of my uh, one of my favourite songs. One of your favourites, yes. It was. It sounded um, it sounded like it had a good message too, from what I from what I heard. Now um, we want to talk now about how you've told us about your university studies and about your the start of your working lives. Alex, I think first of all you might think uh, or, or you, you might. Tell us a little bit about how you changed to something quite different. Yeah, so um, originally when I was at university studying as an urban planner, mm-hmm. um, I was actually still I was working for a company um, that's actually our dad's company. Right. It's, yeah. um, uh, he's been running for 35 years. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, so I, I was working there while I was trying to study for my degree, and then um, by the time I came to the end of my degree, I found that I was quite happy with where I was working, and I didn't mm. really want to stop working there. So you were doing part-time work in this uh, company? Yeah, so I, I started as um, part-time, and then I, nearing the end of my degree, I was working full-time for them. Yeah. Um, oh. While still studying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, do you, and would you say that the work that you do now? Um, have you told us the name of the company? I uh, no, I haven't. It's uh, it's the Arbor Centre. The Arbor Centre, okay. The WA Arbor Centre is well known here in Perth, um, and I can remember the time when uh, Robbie Bodenstaff left Victoria and came over here, uh, which was about the time that he met your dear mother, mm. and. Um, but uh, he was in a partnership with another guy at that stage, and yep. uh, but but the company has lasted so long and it's been everywhere. So would you like to tell us a little bit about um, the company? Perhaps Sam, would you tell us a little bit about your job anyway at the moment in WA Arbor Centre? Yeah, so um, a little bit like Alex, I was working throughout my whole university degree at the Arbor Centre, mm-hmm. and um, I... Well, I've now been there for four years full time, but um, yeah, no, it's yeah, yeah, you made yeah, it's like as if you made a decision that uh, the job that you were doing part time was something you really enjoyed and you'd like to make it more full time. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's as our motto goes, we we have a passion for trees. A passion for trees. That's, yeah, that sounds. And we want to see them. Flourish, yes, survive yeah. throughout and, Australia. And Sam, um, I think everybody who goes into a job is often influenced by somebody. What about your dad's influence on you with his knowledge and care and love of trees and so on? What, do you think it influenced you? I think definitely. Definitely mm-hmm. that had a part to play in uh, the reason for moving to that company and well, to Arbor Centre and sticking with Arbor Centre. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, cause, and the knowledge that Rob holds is phenomenal. It is second, and second to none, I've heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think with uh, Alex and myself combined, we have nothing yeah, to yeah. the knowledge that Rob has. Yeah, yeah, sure. But, 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 you're, but you're learning all the way. Exactly. So continuously learning <clears throat> and putting that effort in to try and keep learning. Yes, 
And there's so much more these days, there's so much more uh, in the press and in the media about the importance of uh, our wonderful world that we live in and uh, let's not destroy it, let's keep our planet alive and well and healthy and I'm sure the trees have got a lot to do with all that. Yes, definitely. And um, so we, through our company, we uh, transplant and like prune trees. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're trying to progress further than that as well, but that's that's another story. Um, so by transplanting the trees, obviously, we keep keep that in. Rather than cutting it down, we can actually put it somewhere else that better suits. Yes. So um, I saw we some. do works all around Australia. Mm-hmm. And the world, we've worked overseas overseas as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so we'll if a tree is in the wrong place for construction works or something, we can actually move that tree from one place to another, even for storage, and put it back once mm-hmm. the job is done. Yeah, Sam, there's a lot of uh, tree companies sprung up around Perth, but we see them like around the streets there pruning or cutting uh, some of the branches down away from the electric wires and so on. But I think you guys are right into, as you say, transplanting, moving and uh, planning and developing. So, um, yes, so so, so you're, what, 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 could you tell us a little bit about one of the most famous journeys you, one of your trees made? Tell the listeners about that one. Uh, so... I believe that story, or that tree that you're talking about, is the Boab tree. Correct. That is, uh, we transplanted from Port Hedland to Kings Park. Yes. It was a very long journey, mm-hmm. as it's a very fragile tree, so it could only be travelled at 20 kilometres per hour. Oh, really? So oh. it was a five-day journey from Port Hedland yeah. to Kings Park. And it must have been a very long truck trailer. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was a... Well, we've got the oversize, so you have the pilots and yeah. stuff to um, transport it yep. from Port Hedland. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the heat that obviously is in Port Hedland or the Pilbara, mm-hmm. uh, it had to stop every couple hours to actually be watered oh, on really? the back of the truck. Gosh. Otherwise, it would dra- um, dry up yeah. and very low chance of survival. Yeah. So your dad, Robbie Bodenstaff, was the manager of this journey, wasn't he? Yes. So Alex and myself were so not doing, uh, well, not at the Arbor Centre at that point. Were you still at school? or were So you we, just... we were both um, still in high school Yeah. at yeah. this point. Okay. I, I, I worked part-time at the Arbor Centre during this. Mm-hmm. So when I was on school holidays, I would come in and help out. Okay. But I was not there for this transplant. Yeah. Gosh, and I, I remember meeting um, Rob's offsider, a man who was guiding, was sort of working all the plans like how, how do you get this through a big tunnel or through, through a railway tunnel or, or, you know, with wires and all sorts of, he said, he said there was a terrific amount of planning for that. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of planning. Yeah. And to be honest, like if you, if, well, if it's not planned properly or ne- not mm. executed properly, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. Yes. So it, it takes a lot of planning and time, but 
once it's done, it is it's mm. done and it looks great. It looks great, and that's really that that uh, baobab tree is more or less the king of Kings Park here in Perth, isn't it? I would say that it's got a big um, sort of a. It's an area where there's. I noticed there's a big picture. There's some developed photographs of, of of the way the workers brought it all down. So you must have a bit of excitement at times, Sam. You do you still climb the trees and? Uh, yes. So I I do climb the trees, mm-hmm. but I'm in the transplant division. So when climbing the trees, it's more just to rig the trees for transplant. Okay. So I'm not. I'm not. A big tree climber. Yeah. I won't know 30 meter trees. Okay. But uh, I'll usually climb up to about eight, nine meters. Eight or nine meters, and you've got all sorts of straps and safety measures. That exactly. You take. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what about young Alex? Alex, I believe that you've stopped climbing. Have you retired from climbing trees now? I have. So when I first um, started working for the Arbor Centre, I was. Uh, helping with the uh, surgery division, which is our pruning division. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, uh, I ended up going into the role of climbing, um, which was great lot of fun, and very hard, hard, um, hard, hard work. But it was a great experience to you're, have that. You're a tall young man, so uh, were you very agile in the trees? or was I, a... I like to think I was, but um, <laughs> I'm not too sure if... Yeah. Someone might someone might tell me I wasn't at some point, but, but we'll find out. Mm, but I think you've gone into a very key role with Arbor Centre now. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, so as well as the uh, transplant and, and tree surgery division that we have at the Arbor Centre, we also have a consultancy division and also a surface and subsoil division, which is to do with... What, what is that one called again? Surface and subsoil. Okay. So those those divisions, uh, I ended up moving into a consultancy role, mm-hmm. helping out our um, head consultant and the senior consultant, which is Rob, um, helping helping out through that, um, getting to use my my planning knowledge really mm. in a way, and how to actually retain trees within a development site, as yes. opposed to just cutting them down and putting putting a building there. Yes, yeah. Uh, how to integrate. Um, trees into a development, really. Right. So if the WA Multicultural Association, which is now based here in Tuart Hill, if we want some new trees around the premises here, you could come down, we could con- consult you and you'd look into it and um, give us some good advice. Yeah, exactly. We can do that. At, well, it's, a, it... at, at discount prices, do you think? <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to check with the head consultant on that one, Harry. <laughs> you might you might have to check with your mum about that too. <laughs> yeah, potentially. Because <laughs> mum's got mum's got a bit of a role in this, hasn't she? Yeah. So uh, about 15, 15 years ago, I, I might be incredibly wrong with that figure, but roughly fifteen years ago, she uh, stopped being a uh, home economics teacher. Oh, another teacher. Another yeah. teacher. Mm. <laughs> yeah, stopped yeah. being a teacher and helped in the company Mm. because at that time we needed someone to fill a role and Monica was happy to step up and Mm. do her part that she needed to do to help Rob. Yes, yeah. Um, And she's been stuck with us ever since. (laughs) (laughs) She has indeed. And I'm sure she looks after, during her spare time, she looks after morning teas and keeps you boys, uh, you know, uh, satisfied with what you eat and drink and all that? Uh, yes. Yes, she does. She does a fair fair bit of baking and a 
quite a lot of um, cooking, mm. bringing it into the yard so the, the guys have some delicious treats to come back to at the end of the day. I know you um, guys at Arbor Centre, from what I've heard, have a, uh, quite a lovely, when the time is appropriate, have a lovely social kind of a life as well. I've, I've heard you say having trips down the Swan River and stuff like that. Yeah, we um when it's when it's permissible, we uh do what we can do to create a bit of a community amongst yeah. our um yes amongst our staff, and it's good to have an integrated workforce in that regard that people get along and mm. everyone is happy to socialise with each other. Yes, it's great. Uh, it, it it says something for family businesses, doesn't it? Who have been you know many family businesses have been suffering during the COVID years, we know. Mm. But uh, at least you guys haven't gone underground as yet. Doing, exactly. <laughs> you're doing well, I think. We do so what we far. can do. Mm-hmm. Now, Sam, what about your um, work on the... No, I think we might leave that till after another little bit of music because I want to come back to something quite important in all our human lives. But first of all, we'll just have our final song and um, we'll get Franco to press the right switches. There's no combination of words I could put on the back of a postcard No song that I could sing but I can try for your heart and Our dreams and they are made out of real things Like a shoebox of photographs with sepia tone loving Love is the answer at least for most of the questions of my heart Like why are we here and where do we go and how come we're so hard It's not always easy and sometimes life can be deceiving I'll tell you one thing, it's always better when we're together Mmm, it's always better when we're together Yeah, we'll look at them stars when we're together Well, it's always better when we're together Yeah, it's always better when we're together Find their way into my dreams tonight But I know that they'll be gone When the morning light sings Or brings new things For tomorrow night you see That they'll be gone too Too many things I have to do But if all of these dreams Might find their way into my day-to-day scene I'd be under the impression I was somewhere in between With only two, just me and you Not so many things we got to do what places we got to be We'll sit beneath the mango tree now Yeah, it's always better when we're together Mmm, we're somewhere in between together Well, it's always better when we're together Yeah, it's always better when we're together And when I wake up, you look so 
Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Alex, was that your selection? That was. That was uh, Better Together by Jack Johnson. Better Together by Jack Johnson. Tell us more if you know. Uh, so Jack Johnson has a bit of a life change history as well, ah. I suppose, which is a yeah. bit fitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a professional surfer um, that had an incident and was hospitalised for a, a, a period of time and in that time learnt to play guitar mm. and, um, yeah, became changed, famous. Changed from, his life. Yeah, it changed his life. Is he Australian or...? Uh, he's Hawaiian. Hawaiian. Well, Koa would be interested in that, wouldn't he? <laughs> a little uh, nephew of yours mm. who was only two years old and his name's Koa and I believe he was named after... Somebody. That's a Hawaiian tree. A Hawaiian tree? Koa tree, yeah. Oh, he's got a big future, hasn't he, in Arbor <laughs> Centre? Thanks, Alex. Okay, now um, let's talk about something a little bit different. It's the same sort of theme in a way, that I can remember Sam, for example. You, when I was, um, uh, when I first became uh, your uh, gramps, uh, we had you put a little green and red jumper on and a pair of footy boots, and I was thrilled because I come from Melbourne. I was thrilled to see you playing for the Basie Bears, and I was immediately saying to my dear wife, this boy is one day going to play for the Richmond Tigers, but I was wrong. But you did have a good little career in football when you were young. Yeah, I did. Um, It actually was between football and, or AFL and hockey, so... Yes, so so the choice your choice was for. Uh, so I ended up going with hockey because mm-hmm. Monica and Rob were well. They didn't. They couldn't find the time to take me to both AFL training, hockey training, and then a whole weekend of sports. No, it was a bit tough. So no. they made me choose, and I chose hockey. You chose hockey. Um, and Sam, tell us about your years as a junior in hockey before you tell us about your years as a senior. Uh, so I've been playing hockey for 20 years now. 20 years? Yeah. Um, I started, well, at seven. Um, and, well, I never not played a game mm-hmm. until just recently, but we'll talk about that after. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, so I've played all around. Of, I've only been with the same club, which mm-hmm. is Whitford's Hockey Club. Whitford's Hockey Club. Where are they situated? Uh, we're at in Warwick. Okay. Just off Lloyd Drive. Mm-hmm. In the northern suburbs. In of the Perth. northern suburbs. Yep. Okay, and I think they're called the Witties, are they? 
The witties, yeah. The mighty witties. And so you then developed into the, you hopped into the uh, senior team? Yeah, so um, from uh, when I was about 15, 14, 15, I started playing a few games with the, I might have been a bit younger, but with the senior side. Mm-hmm. And then um, I actually moved, obviously, once I came of age of 18, I moved into seniors. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been playing, I started off in twos, and we're, I'm now in the ones team, our mm-hmm. first division, mm. which is the Premier League, which is the highest league in WA, mm. which is very interesting. And we've yeah. uh, just had our first year which was filled with losses. <laughs> that because because this was your first year amongst uh, playing against clubs that had, were well established, had lots of imports from interstate or even overseas, I believe. Yes, correct. And uh, they've also got each team gets um, divvied out uh, to Australia players because mm-hmm. we have the AIS here in Perth. Right. Um, so they get spread out between the teams, and unfortunately, our two players were stuck in Melbourne during this COVID situation. You never saw them. So uh, they came for the very end. <laughs> we they they had two games with us. Yes. Um, but unfortunately, by that point, we uh, had lost every game. Yes, you had. I was at the very first. I went to quite a few of your games, but I think the worst was the very first one when I think the final score was. 12-0. <laughs> the dirty dozen. <laughs> yes, it wasn't ideal. But but you, but you learned so much, I presume, Sam, during the year. Oh, definitely. I think the progression that we've made from just being in this division and losing, but you, you just learn so much and you mm. actually learn so much quicker when you're playing with that higher league, I guess, or yes. talent. Yeah. Sam, take a little breather for a minute because I want to ask Alex something about a certain club that you were a member, perhaps you've even become a life member, I'm not sure, of a um, canine sort of a club. And um, could you tell us about that and also about your experiences there in sports and also about uh, mateship and fellowship and all that sort of thing within sporting clubs that you've been involved in? Yeah, so I I, I played... um. Very different from uh, Sam. I played rugby, uh, rugby union. Uh-huh. Um, I played as a junior for uh, Wanneroo Roo Dogs. The Roo Dogs. I think, well, I think is Roo-dogs. what Harry is getting a link to there. <laughs> yes. um, as well as I played uh, AFL and uh, many a large variety of sports uh, mm. when I was younger as well. Mm. Um, and then in the senior grades I switched clubs um, and I ended up playing at uh, Associates Rugby Club ah. which is based in Swanbourne mm-hmm. um, the the club itself was fantastic in the regard that everyone there was mates and yeah. everyone was happy to happy to talk to you happy, happy to have a chat and mm. <clears throat> if you needed anything they were happy to help you can make lifelong friends can't you yeah you can and it's it's great mm. really getting that influence between from sport yes really. yeah and i know you um have had some success in were you playing as a uh, big man in the in the scrum 
I was, yeah. I, I, I had a few roles um, over the years. I was a prop, which is the, um, the very front of the scrum, so the yeah. first three people headbutting each other. And, yes. <laughs> and then, um, then I played as a lock, which is the guys just behind them. Mm-hmm. And then eventually played as a number eight for a few games. But um, unfortunately, due to a large variety of injuries, I, yeah. I haven't played for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which has been a little bit disappointing, but it's just mm. something I have to live with, really. Well, there's nothing like um, we'd often go to um, when you were a junior. To get, we used to go down, Nana and I used to go down and watch the Rudogs and... Uh, and there's a if there's a whole lot of grounds around the place, there's just such on early on a Saturday morning, eight o'clock, nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, um, just seeing such a great community and people talking and chatting and screaming their lungs out and whatever. So it, it is good fellowship, isn't it? Mm, definitely. Now, now coming back to Sam, I just want to ask you about another sport that you are both involved in, namely a very famous golf tournament which is coming up very soon yes i believe uh well it's called the epiphany cup yes and it is on the january the 10th january the 10th yeah yes very excited um you're a former winner i believe i have won once before yes and Um, come very close a few times as well yeah runner up just need to practice more Yes, have to get away from those trees. Oh, you probably love hitting a ball into the trees, do you? Uh, I prefer not to, <laughs> but it happens very often. Yes, yeah. And um, so this Premier League is really big time, isn't it? Because you're playing against um, people who play in the Olympics and play overseas and all that, aren't you? Yes, yeah. So it is, and it's a big learning curve for us because mm. if we don't get it right this year we will be relegated to um, the lower division. Right. So it, it was just lucky enough for us this year that we uh, actually, because of COVID, mm-hmm. there was no relegations. Oh. So this was a little tester, a training day right. in, a, in a sense. So that's a stay for you. So you've got another year at least. Yep, we've got one more year. If you come last, what happens? If we come last, we will go, get dropped to yeah. the lower grade. And the, and the lower grade, whoever wins, will come up. Okay. What about if you come second last? Second last, we stay in the league. <laughs> yeah. And would you like to still stay in? Oh, we would love to. Of course, yeah. Of I'd course. love to, yeah, yeah, if my body holds up. And so so Alex and Sam are here in the studio, listeners, and uh, we heard their other brother, Josh, who gave us a great talk about becoming a remote area nurse recently. But you've got another brother called Tommy Bodenstaff, and he's a bit of a star hockey player too, isn't he? He is. So Tom and myself play in the same team. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he's had a few injuries mm-hmm. at the moment, so he hasn't been able to do the running that's required. Yeah. But um, hopefully he'll be there fit as a fiddle. Yes. Come the start of the season. He's having a lot of practice chasing around little his little new boy Koa, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of a lot of running. <laughs> Keep keeping him fit. So yeah, so sport has been good in, in your family, hasn't it? Which is great to see. So we're coming towards the end of our um, conversation now. Thank you so much for coming in. And um, we hope you do well in your sporting careers 
and we hope you can make a comeback to the scrums, Alex. But I know that you can hit the ball about four or five hundred metres anyway in golf. I know that. Oh, I, I, I wish I could hit it four or five hundred metres, but uh, I'll take the two hundred odd. <laughs> yeah, yes, and um, but it's but like you like you say, it's great great companionship and sense of competitiveness doesn't do us any harm either, does it? So thank you very much, boy, uh, young men. I used to call you boys, but because that was when you were pretty small. But uh, thank you very much for coming into Global Chat Radio. And I think we can tell listeners that um, we have had some good speakers and it's great to see some young people coming in onto the multicultural. And we hope that you have um, good experiences with, uh, with, with our motto here at Global Chat Radio to look on everybody as our brothers and sisters and to get on well and enjoy life in such a wonderful world. So once again, thank you very much, Alex and Sam, for coming into Global Chat Radio. Thank you for having us, Harry and Franco. Um, we're just going to leave you with uh, Follow the Sun by Xavier Rudd. Thanks all, and a very happy new year to you all.
love coming down on you like a heavy weight. When you feel this crazy society adding to the strain, take a stroll to the nearest water's edge. Remember your place. Many moons have risen and fallen long, long before you came. Which way is the wind blowing? And what does your heart say? Stay is done. 